you're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with Brendan Cavani from Mindtree. How are you today, Brendan? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on your show. That's an absolute pleasure. So today we will be talking about when and how to scale marketing operations. Quite a wide topic. But before we get into the details, can you please introduce yourself, your role at Mindtree, as well as what Mindtree does as an organization? Yeah, sure. Thanks. I'll start with Mindtree as a company. We're an IT services company. Run rate is about a billion dollars. We have 20,000 people which compared to some companies would seem very big, but relative to our industry, we're mid-sized, but growing very fast. We grew 20% last year. I will emphasize that it's a services company, so we're yep. consultants. We do two kind of major parts of consulting, both completely related to IT, what we call the run and grow side of the business. So the run side of the business are all the backend systems that are really run for efficiency. You know, so like accounting and uh, maybe supply chain or some other things that are kind of always on and they're they're really about optimizing and being efficient. And then the other half, which is where the hugest, biggest wave of investment you've seen over the last couple of years is what we call digital, which are like customer facing apps. You know, this is where you see API tools, things in the cloud that are like need to be super fast, change sure. in real time. Think Facebook, Amazon and all that stuff. Um, now me, I run the field marketing team, which is the team that works with the different business units. We have four super very large business units that are based on industries. So we have people who run and their job is to honestly really be a mini CML for each of the business units of my company. And then also along with that, our demand gen engine, our marketing technology stack, I really am sort of the person who put that in and, and built that out for, for my company, which is a really exciting, great thing to do actually. Okay. So Brendan, you, you mentioned something quite interesting. You, you made the dissociation between marketing services or, or marketing, you know, service marketing, shall I say, and product marketing. So we are a service company as well. So I think we kind of understand the dissociation pretty well. But could you please comment on what you believe the differences are between service marketing and product marketing, please? I really like that question. And the reason I like that question is because I think one thing that we talk about, and we, I mean, marketing professionals talking to each other often mm -hmm. is B2B versus B2C. Yep. And that is very clearly there's, there's differentiations, right? The buyers are different and all these things. However, in my case, the, the, the real difference I see is like product versus services. So, you know, a parallel industry to mine or the ecosystem of the industry I work in is like software. So like mm -hmm. the software companies, the marketers of software companies, they're the ones who are really, you know, sort of like driving the conversation about account-based marketing, for example, and these other things. And when I look at the services company, so account-based marketing is a perfect example. We've never been anything but account-based marketing. I mean, we didn't call it account-based marketing, but uh, that's the only kind of marketing we ever did. Now, the reason is pretty simple. My company is billion-dollar run rate. We have 350 customers. So, you know, it doesn't take super math to figure out that each customer is a really big customer, or we try to get a customer, make them a really big customer. Now, that changes, changes the nature of marketing because we're not you know, looking to find, you know, look at a million people and who are the thousand best that will love our, our service. We're actually looking at a couple hundred customers or accounts mm -hmm. and trying to create awareness and opportunities in those accounts and figure out when to enter. 
Yeah. Well, well, another thing that you mentioned in your introduction is, is the word consultant and consultative. Do you believe you need to be more consultative from a sales and marketing approach, which, which I think are linked because, you know, it's about the message and how you, you treat and engage with your, with your prospect or with your clients. But coming back to the question, do you believe you need to be more consultative when you are doing service marketing versus product marketing in your approach? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. We run training programs. Around consultative selling. We spend a lot of time on sales enablement. This has happened through my career, not just in my current company, but every, all, all the companies in this industry that I've worked for, which is there's three of them. And the real goal is to become a partner with your customer and discover and articulate problems together and try to build solutions. So, you know, our business is a business of fighting RFPs, honestly. And, <laughs> and what is a, what is really an RFP? It's an attempt. It's not actually a defined thing. It's an attempt to define a solution to a problem that may be clearly defined or not. And so when you think about it in those terms, every RFP is a little bit different. And exactly. this, this also will make you think about scale because ultimately mm -hmm. at the end of the pipe is an RFP, not at the end, but whatever, like in getting, you know, getting more business, you're actually, you know, you get to the point of having an RFP or, or having a deal. And if every single one of those deals are different, you, you know, the, the way in which you scale is very different than, you know, a piece of software that does something. You can define exactly what that software does. And yep. you're basically trying to, you know, push out a story around that particular right. piece of I software. We, we can be more creative, I guess, in a way. But I, I do agree on both points. I think being consultative and having a is absolutely key to have an account-based approach. I also believe that when you do services, having that feeling of a community, creating a community around your brand, people using your services, you know, talking about how flexible you are, how you've done all that stuff is, is also very important. Now, if we dig a little bit more into the, the actual topic of the conversation today, marketing operation is a key function within any organization as it touches you know, the data, operate the MarTech stack, consolidate the numbers, and optimizes the, the, the strategy of a company because it gives you, obviously, all the, the, the analytics, the details to be able to make decisions and move forward. So as, a company, as companies grow, they need to adapt their, their team and obviously their tech stack to scale and follow that growth. So how can you identify when it's the right time for your marketing operation team to, to start that scaling up process? And how do you do it? So I think that one of the things to, to think about, we, we do this in our budgeting process and our approach, it's, I mean, bankers and investors would do this all the time, is sort of a uh, portfolio model. And this is really, you know, I'm thinking about more the MarTech stack or marketing technology stack is that, you know, you have the things that you know you'll need to do, like marketing automation, you know, yeah. sort of your big, you know, your Marketo or your Eloqua or whatever. And we definitely do it by cost in our budget. And then we also try to think about it in terms of like the effort around the components to the stack that we're going to, how we're going to spend the money. So if the, or spending money in the time. So the things we know we can scale, like emailing, advertising, events or something, we'll, you know, spend the bulk of the money and then we'll have like some percentage of our budget and our time to do things that are a little more experimental. And then we'll spend some time and money on things that are really kind of a long shot. We don't really know if they're going to work, honestly. Yeah. And we do that every year. And in fact, my CMO, and he's presents about this publicly, <laughs> he talks about hiring and firing your stack. And that's really the approach we take. So, you know, every year-ish, because all the contracts don't line up perfectly, we do look at every piece we have in our stack and, and decide like, hey, are we even going to, you know, we tried this, did it work, it didn't work. The other thing to think about 
is really and this in the buying the technology a lot of technology tools are there to optimize process and and there's so many i mean i think if you if you go to the martech conference and you see that slide it's kind of famous what has all the logos of all the like marketing technology things so many tools are really to optimize some tiny thing and the thing you have to ask yourself as a customer or someone who's buying those tools is is this process running at scale where we need to spend time to really tweak it like we're not even running at scale so if the engine's not running don't like buy a piece to try to tweak and optimize it absolutely okay and but what do you start what what would be a the starter package. Do you think you need marketing automation from day one? It seems to be like a, a given from your perspective. What are the what are the key parts of a technology stack? And I don't know if that's your type of organization, but we do happen to work with lots of startups. How do you even start the journey? Because we spoke about the optimization and moving, but what, is there like a starting point for for everyone that you would you would recommend? Yeah. So for especially in services where it's very like you mentioned, consultative, it's relationship-driven, uh, sales-driven kind of environment. I think C- CRM and marketing automation are like the, the key like places to start. And by marketing automation, I mean the, you know, the systems we all know, the Pardots, the, the big kind of sophisticated yeah. emailing systems. In a small, you know, we're pretty big, right? So we just like put it in. <laughs> we just, yeah, we, you know, we had one in, we had a marketing automation system, we ripped it out, we put a new one in. But if you're, you know, if you're small and you're growing, you could definitely start with like a, a simpler sort of mailing system, a MailChimp yeah. or a Constant Contact or something that's like, doesn't cost you a lot of money. And then if you're getting to the point where you're like, wow, you know, we're sending a lot of emails, we're doing a lot of analysis on what happens, then you start thinking about the next step, like maybe we need more tools, you know, so don't overbuy. The other thing to think about, which, which is, you know, with, with some self-research, you can kind of figure it out. But um Depending on what you buy, you know, who, what is your internal team structure and what is their ability to kind of run the tools and what kind of talent do you need in-house? Because you'll find that some tools, you, you might end up spending more on consulting to run the tools than you're spending on the tool yourself itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. You need to make sure that you've got, uh, if you've got the engine, you also need to have the pitch roll to put in. So that, that, makes, uh, that makes perfect sense. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. One of the biggest challenge that, that we see, and particularly when we engage with marketing operations teams, while we, you know, our clients or prospects at the beginning of a program over the course of a program, I guess is the challenge of absolutely everyone is to keep their database up to date and healthy, clean, you know, increasing response rate, all that sort of great stuff. Do you have, and if you do, can you share any tricks to keep your database cleansed and updated? So, yes. I think you are right that keeping your data in order is super important. I mean, it's of paramount importance, actually. And it's very easy to let it go. It's easy to, you know, it, we know year on year, it's cheaper and cheaper to keep a bunch of data. I mean, it, yeah. it, it almost costs nothing. I mean, in my industry, when I started 12 years ago, I mean, we couldn't even have these databases. They were prohibitively expensive. And now you can have a startup of four people and spend a thousand bucks a month and have a huge MarTech stack that you can scale really quickly. But I think a governance structure is important. You need stakeholders in the company who find it important and they have to spread across the org. It can't be an enthusiastic data-minded person who's you know deep down in the org only. Uh, that person can be super important, obviously, but you need uh, people at different levels. And then in the consumption of the data internally, you need you need to make sure it's consumable in a way that's relevant. 
So the sales team, they want to know pipeline. I'll give you a really simple example. We had a, a like a marketer and they're doing a program and stuff and they sent a report and the report came internally, like a report of some email thing. And the sales team started asking about open rates and click rates and all these things. And so what we, we talked about internally is that, hey, look, that sales team, they have a target list of accounts, like 100 accounts. They care about engagement from those accounts. So when you report to them, you give them engagement. These are the people from these accounts that open clicks, downloaded papers, attended events. That's super important to them. The rest of it isn't. It's important to us as marketers because we want to be efficient. But for them, it's not, it's not that part. We, don't, we really don't want them to be concerned with it, honestly. And I think that part's really important. But I, I think to answer your question about keeping the data clean, I think it comes down to governance and yep. the commitment to governance and really deciding like, okay, you know, every quarter, every year, whatever, we're going to do this, we're going to clean this, we're going to delete that and, and essentially, you know, buying in and sticking to that model. Otherwise, otherwise the thing just kind of proliferates. Is that, is that almost like an approach where you say, okay, this is my, this is my calendar for my campaigns over the next six months. So I will target such and such vertical in such and such territory, and I will target such and such persona within that vertical, within that territory, with these messages. Would you say that you, you've got that sort of uh, the sequence, or not the sequence, but the, the frequency at which you will be cleansing that data? Is it, is it almost based on the campaign that you are about to run? Or would you say, no, it's okay, once a year or twice a year, you just review absolutely everything and cleanse everything in your database? So for us, it's a little more of the latter. Now, the reason is, and this comes down to the service. So if I, you know, the services versus product marketing that we talked about earlier, there's a few components to that. And one of the components, and this, if you would talk to, say, our media partner or one of the vendors I've worked with, they would, this is like the broken record, Brendan kind of thing is that I'm like, I want you to get in your head that our target list is static. It doesn't change. It's 100,000 people and that it's never changing. And it's not true that it never changes, but it changes little enough that the mentality of all the people who are executing against that target audience, I want them to think that way. I don't want them to think like a media team would think, hey, this clicks really well in this persona. Let me go hit that persona all over the place. Because that doesn't matter for us. What matters for us is that the people in those accounts that we're targeting are seeing our ads and clicking on our stuff and attending our stuff. Now, the data question you had about kind of the campaign, that's a really good example because we had a campaign for the cruise line industry and what we learned and the marketing member who runs is like super good. He sort of understands all this stuff really kind of big picture and also understands the details. And she saw that she was like talking to the media agency and that people were clicking down on the cruise industry and downloading this report that we had and realizing, yes, they worked for that cruise line, but they were, you can imagine how many people work for cruise lines, right? Who are just fast and the ships and things. But yeah. what we really need is we need like their corporate IT, corporate people. And so they really quickly saw that and adjusted. And we had had that problem in the past, especially with media. So we kind of knew, we, you know, we had like learned our lesson, but that's super important. So like our target list is really key. So we would rather spend more time and money, honestly, to get to the right people in a company than, you know, than just the, the volume and efficiency of things. Yeah. And this, because I mentioned airlines, I mean, it is kind of like something we learned is like airline, hotels, you know, cruise lines, all these hospitality things, there's a million. So if you try to, for example, run a campaign for hotels and you want to identify IT managers or IT directors or something, every hotel in the middle of Iowa 
has like an IT person who runs like their internet and stuff. But that's yeah. not our target. We're talking about the corporate people. Of course. And I, th- I think that makes perfect sense. And what I like about the way you explain and, and you share your war story with us is that you really care about the results of the campaign. You, know, you could hide behind the clicks and the, the open, et cetera, et cetera, but it's not really qualitative. It's about having the engagement first, but most importantly, having the engagement with the right people. So we, we, we share the exact same mentality when it comes to running campaigns. These are sales and marketing campaigns for our clients. So thanks for that, Brennan. I really appreciate your time and, and insight on, on all my questions today. If any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you. What is the best platform, the best way to engage with you? It is LinkedIn. My name is unique enough. If you just search my name, I think you'll find me, Brendan Kaveny. But thank you. It's It's been really good. I find this super interesting. And I do have a lot of passion for data and MarTech and scaling marketing. So thanks for having me on your show. I can tell. Well, thanks to you as well. And it was great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.